When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. You're listening to the Fight Night podcast on Talk Sport with me, Gareth Davies. Joining me this week in the studio, Spencer Oliver. What huge news we had to react to. Yes, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White will go at it again eight years after they first fought. No belt on the line, but bragging rights. The championship of each other. O2 Arena, August the 12th. Here's our reaction to that. Respect where respect is due. Anthony Joshua has gone into this fight, and we all know what a risk it is with Dillian yeah, White at yeah. this stage of his career. You know, with what's on the line, and the guy has stepped up to the plate. You know, his team didn't want this. Eddie Hearn didn't want this. He wanted this. You know, I think he's looking to regain the respect from the boxing fans, the British public, and he's certainly got to have got that with, you know, taking this fight against Dillian White. I mean, it's a huge risk with what he had in line. You know, December out in Saudi, Deontay Wilder, he's put all that on the line because if he loses this, it all goes away. And we know what a big payday that was. So that tells you exactly the hunger that Anthony Joshua's got and he wants to regain the respect of the British fans. And for that simple reason there is so much jeopardy in the fight that everybody's excited about it. Now I cannot wait for the two men to come together at Sion Park uh, in Hounslow on Monday afternoon it, because they don't like each other There is, ba- I'd be disappointed if there aren't words spoken and tables moved Well of course there will, be, there will be, like you say you know, they, they've never liked each other, they've got history that goes back to the amateur days and they're boxed as professionals as well, this is the third fight that they've actually got so it's effectively a trilogy alright, one of them was an amateur fight but, you know, we remember what happened in 2015, the drama, Anthony Joshua getting rocked to the soles of his boots for that British and Commonwealth title, then turning it around, that uppercut that finished the fight in the seventh round. Oh, yeah, it was exciting. Dillian White has yeah. always wanted his revenge from that. Yeah. You know, these guys do not like each other. Mm. But what is beautiful about this contest is there's so much on the line there's careers on the line here because the loser has nowhere to go and I think the winner obviously gets a huge opportunity so there's so much on the line here. The slumbering heavyweight division in the last week has started to wake up. The fact that these two are going to meet on August the 12th is brilliant. On the same day it was confirmed that in Poland uh, Alexander Usyk will defend the WBO, WBA and IBF heavyweight titles to Daniel Dubois which is great, August 26th. The week before we had Joe Joyce in here, he's going to try and get 
that interim WBO title back from Zhili Zhang in a rematch on October, September no, the 23rd. Se- September the 23rd. 23rd. We hear... Of all these fights, uh, writing some notes here, and a lot of people were talking about the slumbering heavyweight division this week, until these announcements. Mm-hmm. Of those four big names, Fury, Usyk, Joshua, and Wilder, Deontay yep, Wilder, yep. the American, they fought five times between them, okay? Usyk's fought Joshua twice. Fury's fought Wilder three times. We need Wilder versus... Joshua. Joshua, absolutely. We yeah. need Fury versus Usyk. Mm-hmm. We need Wilder versus Usyk. Mm-hmm. We need Wilder versus all of them, basically. Listen, it, it's... We need these fights. Abs- of course you do. You know, to, to create legacies and create, you know, the best boxers of the modern era, you need these fights to happen. And guess what, Gareth? I think we're starting to get, starting to get that over the line now. Respect to Anthony Joshua taking this fight against Dillian White because he could have, you know, he could have just gone for the easier route and, and going straight into the Deontay Wilder fights. You've got to respect him. You've got to respect his team. Credit to Eddie Hearn. You know, credit Reportedly credit's worth due. 60 million US dollars for him, that absolutely, fight in Saudi Arabia absolutely. by Eddie Hearn. And also, I want, to, I, want, I want to give credit to Joe Joyce as well for stepping up and going into the immediate yeah, rematch yeah. against Zhili Zhang because, you know, it's not a route that I would have taken. He wanted that fight as well. So credit to him, credit to his team. I mean, I'm glad that the guys are now stepping up to the plate and giving the fans what they need because, I mean, that's that's brilliant. It is. Let's get back to Anthony Joshua for a moment. Uh, Matchroom chairman Eddie Hearn joined Andy Goldstein and Andy Townsend on Drive this week. He admitted that the fight with Dillian White is a huge risk for AJ. These guys, you know, for various reasons, have been stalling lately, giving us great heavyweight fights. Um, this one is, is, is wild because... AJ's got the Wilder fight locked in in December. You know, we had meetings last week with the Saudis. Obviously, he, that's one of the biggest fights in boxing. And he wanted to fight in the interim. You know, he's been working with Derek James. He wanted to have that fight. And he was insistent that it was Dillian White. And, I'm, you know, I wasn't over the moon because I know it's dangerous. It's a fight that's built off emotion. They don't like each other. You saw what happened last summer at the O2. It's going to be an absolute firefight on August 12th, but I was with him last night. This is the one he wants. He wants a fight he can get up for. He doesn't want to have a, a nothing fight for the fans. This is a fight that's going to ignite British boxing as well. And uh, yeah, massive fight, massive fight for both men. AJ, you know, I was with him last night in Dallas and all he wants to do is try and become heavyweight world champion again. If he loses to Dillian White at this stage, that's looking like a million miles away. Mm. So what else do you want to do? I don't know whether he'll put that pressure on himself for Dillian, I think 100%, really, this is this is it. And um, that's why it's so dangerous. You know, as I said, you got that Deontay Wilder fight in December. He could have just waited. You know, he could have just had an easy fight, a gimme fight at the O2. But he's decided to, to roll the dice. And you know, I think he wants a fight that he can get excited about. And I know he wants to go in and do a number on Dillian White. They don't like each other. They never have. It's 1-1, one, one, one in the amateurs, one in the pros. And we know this fight always gives us something special. It will give us something special. I'm really looking forward to it. It's live on TalkSport, by the way, and we'll be doing massive build-up going into that contest. Um, 
we've we've applauded Anthony Joshua for taking this fight. Eddie Hearn probably would have steered him away from it and had an easier opponent. It looked like they were low-balling uh, Dillian White, first of all. He leveraged Sky Sports News and Talk Sport to get his story out there. He's got what he wanted. Anthony Joshua's got what he wanted. I think this is a victory for boxing and the fans. You kind of said it already, mm -hmm. but I'm just reinforcing the fact that the, the, the right moves do happen. People will be saying, oh, no, no, he should be fighting Wilder now, or why is it white again? Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a dispute, a rivalry, an enmity that needs settling. They won't fight again after this. No, this I is the last time. Totally agree. And do you know what? I think this is a, why I think this is a genius move from Anthony Joshua's side, because I think that stylistically he knows that he has to fight. He has to throw punches. It has to bring the best out in him, and it will bring the best out in him because of the history of the two guys and the dislike between the two guys that goes back to 2009 when they first boxed mm. in the amateurs. So what I'm saying is it's like a calculated gamble, but Joshua has been... What he's been missing so far in, in recent fights is that confidence in his own ability, right? And and this will bring it out in him because it has to bring it out in him. With the fire with, that with, it'll with, have. With the fire that it'll have. Yeah. So it's like, it's a genius move, really. I think it's a very clever move from Anthony Joshua's team, Derek James, and all that to step up to the plate and have it. Very risky, yeah. Very risky. But, you know, I think that it's this this will go down as another classic. You know, stylistically, these two guys, Dillian White is sort of like, he's sort of got Anthony Joshua's number. He knows, like, he, he always causes Anthony Joshua problems stylistically. He's the first one that did upset Absolutely. him in his pro career when Absolutely. they were eight years ago. And beat him as Seems an amateur like as well. a long time ago, doesn't it? Beat him as an amateur, had him yep. down on the floor yep. in it as yep. an amateur as well. So, you know, like I say, it's a lot of, lot of history. And yeah, it does seem like a long time ago. You're right, Gareth. But I think that... It's just going to be one of those fights. It's just like, it's a massive fight right now. And, you know, I know that people may be disappointed, but disappointed for what? You know, we're going to get those, that um, Deontay Wilder fight. You know, we're hoping to see Fury back in the ring again very, very soon. You know, we got Alexander Usyk against Daniel Dubois. Things are happening. But this fight, Anthony Joshua, Dillian White, yes, please. Right, come on. You had a lot to say so far in the first nine minutes of this show. I'm sorry. Who wins and how? Um, Anthony Joshua wins. By knockout? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of drama in the fight. I do and as well. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of drama go in the down, fight. You know? And I think Anthony Joshua wins late. I think Anthony Joshua wins after tons of drama. Absolutely. It wouldn't surprise me if both men go down in this fight. I'm, and it wouldn't surprise me if they literally go into the trenches and both give all and that there is big respect at the end of it. Totally. You know what I love about Dillian White is you know what you're going to get. It is what it says on the can. Dillian White is going to bring it. He sees this as an opportunity, a huge opportunity. He's been chasing this fight for eight years now. And I love that about Dillian. You know, he's one of those guys that fights with his heart on his sleeve. And we can expect excitement drama. We're going to get it all, man. We're going to get it all. Well, it's been a big heavyweight week. The slumbering giants, as I've called it, of the heavyweight division are beginning to awake. We are getting the fights we wanted. Well, Frank Warren joined us. He didn't have too many nice things to say, to be fair, about the AJ White matchup, but he was still defending his guys, Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois, and of course, Tyson Fury. Is it going to be Nagano? There'll be an announcement sometime, I hope, next week, and uh, we're, all will be revealed. But our guys are busy. I mean, what's held this heavyweight division situation up has been, you know, the, 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 the proposals to do, you know, to do fights in Saudi with skill, skill challenge people, Prince Khalid and, and his team, and unfortunately, they keep, you know, it's been pushed back a few times, and that's what's held up the whole division. But, you know, I think everybody's aware now that nothing's going to happen with skill set this year, so 
um, that's why all these fights are, are, are happening. And we've, we've, I mean, we've made our fights uh, a long while ago, you know, for Joe Joyce, also for Daniel Dubois. So we've not sat around waiting. We've been we're working and trying to make fights for Tyson. Uh, people have been waiting to see what happens in Saudi before they decide that we've gone off in another direction now and uh, we are where we are. And I know now that, obviously, it's, it's now that um, Joshua's going to fight Delhi. Uh, Dillian White, and that's obviously come about because this uh, this situation with Skillset saying that they're not going to be having any fight until uh, next February. Uh, what you're saying, so that even um, Anthony Joshua won't fight, presumably Wilder, till next February, is that what you're saying? I don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, all I know is he didn't want to fight Tyson for the for the for the title. That's all I know. But anyway, look, what he gets on with, what he does, is his business. But do you respect the fact he's taking the Dillian White fight? Well, not really. What else is he going to do? I mean, he either does that or retire. I mean, what I what what I, I what I would have respected if, he, if rather than fighting Dillian, who I like Dillian, by the way, he's a nice bloke. What I would have respected more is if he had the ambition to fight for the WBC title, which obviously he didn't have. We still need to see, Spencer and I were talking in the first segment tonight, and obviously we're observers on the sport and we have strong opinions about it and we work alongside you and sometimes we don't always agree with you, but we've had five massive heavyweight fights in the last, I would say, five years and their three are with Tyson Fury and uh, Deontay Wilder, two are Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk, but we need to see all the other twain meet and I completely agree with you. Joshua needs to fight Fury, Wilder needs to fight Usyk, Wilder needs to fight Joshua, Fury needs to fight Joshua. If if I've confused them all there, basically, there are humongous fights there, Frank, Mm -hmm. that can be made in the next two or three years that almost have to be made in this era. Look, you know, to be be honest, from a British fan's point of view, you know, Tyson fighting uh, Joshua Usyk was probably top of the list. Mm -hmm. But neither, neither of them Despite what they say, neither of them wanted to do it. They made the offers when we them. Everybody keeps saying about Tyson, or it's nonsense about Tyson being greedy with Zusik. That's just a nonsense. He would have made a big payday with Zusik, and now he's going to be sitting on the sidelines, Zusik, especially when uh, Daniel beats him. But he's getting, you know, he gets a purse, which is was far, far less money than he would have got to fight Tyson. But that's his choice. As for AJ, as I just said, he didn't want the fight. And the excuse that was kept was putting out was uh, Eddie Hearn saying that he um, that, that Tyson wasn't serious, which again was uh, was was pathetic and ridiculous. But anyway, look, that's all happened. They got to do what they got to do, and we move forward with our with our situation. And we're our guys are all busy. We're keeping them busy. They want to be busy, and they're ambitious fighters, and they're they're fighting at the best. And you know, with with Daniel, he's fighting for um, the title. Doesn't get any bigger than that, as far as he's concerned. You've got Joe Joyce in there, uh, looking to get back his interim title, which makes him the mandatory challenger to the winner of winner of Usyk and Daniel. So you can't knock his ambition. He didn't walk away from Zhang. Um, and then obviously uh, Tyson is that, as I'm saying, we'll be announcing next week who he's fighting. So we're, we're you know we're we're very very much on on point in moving our guys. We're not been sitting around wait, waiting for something to happen. 
and, and, and having their destiny being controlled by somebody else. We, we are making I do take I mean, that point, actually, yeah. that, 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 you, that you need to create your own timeline for mm. your fighters and not worry about what's being said over there and the available money, because that's what swung it the whole time. A Spence. Absolutely. Listen, Frank, how, how good is it now for the boxing fans and, you know, you know the frustration of that, those last couple of years, the fights that we were meant to get and we haven't got, and now we seem to be getting them all, all over the line. And I think it, the ball will just keep rolling now. And I th do think over the next... 18, 12 to 18 months, we're going to see all these guys boxing each other. But, you know, how refreshing is it that we've got these fights over the line? Credit to Joe Joyce for going into mm -hmm. that immediate rematch. Yeah. That's, a, I mean, that is a huge move, and I respect him so much for that. Credit to Anthony Joshua, actually, for taking the Dillian White fight before going uh, directly to Deontay Wilder. And also Tyson Fury, the pound-for-pound pound number one. We're hearing it's imminent news we're going to get that he's going to be back in the ring again. You know, I mean, it's great. And young da Daniel Dubois as well, stepping up against Alexander Usyk. I mean, you've got to respect him for that as well. I mean, it's excellent for the fans, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. But you know what? We've worked hard. Queensbury have worked very hard with, our, with the guys that we we uh, look after in getting them, to, getting them into the positions to make it happen. And that's what we've done. We've got two of our guys into being into the number one spot. And Joe's already had his defended his title and unfortunately uh, he got stopped by the doctor against Zhang but that's that that you know as you say you've got you absolutely take your hat off to him for take for stepping up and taking the rematch I mean you know most people wouldn't do that I can think of a few big names who wouldn't do that but he's done it he's, he's stepped straight up no messing about Frank is, is Tyson Fury going to be fighting in the UK can you confirm that I can confirm that he'll be fighting <laughs> I've never known you so tight-lipped. I mean, there's loads of rumours coming out of America. I've got to, He was going to come on tonight. Ariel Hawani is covering UFC International Fight Week right now in, in Vegas. I don't know if he's in New York. He, he per uh, Ariel Hawani, and, and I obviously he works for BT Sport, he interviewed you and Joe the other day here at uh, TalkSport for BT Sport, kind of saying it's Francis Ngannou. Um, I, I'm fascinated mm. by that fight anyway, and, and I think... If, if that is the game changer, it does create a crossover it's a huge with, fight. with MMA it's a huge fans fight. and boxing fans like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather did. Then, then that's I think that's fine right now in the, in the interim situation. Mm -hmm. But we all want to see Tyson fight Alexander Usyk for the undisputed title. Listen, we just want to see Tyson Fury back in the ring. You know, he's the number one heavyweight in the world right now, and he and he brings a huge audience. Whether that's Francis and Garnu, Alexander Usyk, we just want to see him back. Frank, you know when um, Larry Holmes, when you were around in the working in the eighties, um, do you, do you recall the situation where Larry Holmes didn't fight everyone, and then in the late eighties, Don King created this series, which Mike Tyson came out in the end as number one in the world. That wasn't that was a similar time for a little bit in the heavyweight division when fights weren't evolving because of the chessboard and, and rivalries at the time and promoters. I don't know. I mean, I was reading. Well, I think you're referring to that piece in Box News, which I didn't agree with last week. Uh, you know, Matt, Matt Christie. Sometimes I, I just don't agree with what he said about that. Larry Holmes was one of the greatest heavyweights. Yeah, seven-year reign. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Had a fabulous. Had probably had the best jab of any heavyweight. Yeah. You think fabulous, fabulous fighter, um, and and brave fighting fifteen-round fights back then. And I hear all these things that you know that, that are said, but. You know, for me, for me, you, you can't compare all these er eras. You can yeah, look back and yeah. say, right, you know, the Bummer Month Club that Joe 
Joe Lewis, Lewis yeah, before yeah, my yeah, time yeah. went on. You can look at all sorts of things. Mm. Fighters were busy. Were were, bu- were busy then, but they weren't. Yeah, you know, they weren't on. Those fights weren't. You know, back in the Joe Louis days and the Marcian, they weren't massively. They were massive fights, but they mm. weren't big TV fights. It was big radio audiences, oh, live yeah. audiences, and radio audiences. And things have things have evolved and moved on. You know, Muhammad Ali in his day, he, he had his. You know, he's thing of going on on the road. I can remember fighting the, uh, was it the Belgian fighter, um, uh, the German Johansson, wasn't it? No, I can't remember his name. There's a, is it, um, anyway, it comes to me. Lovers, was it really Lovers? I can't remember his name. Lovers, it was, yeah. I think, I'm not sure if it was, but anyway, whoever it was, but he did that. He went, he he fought Al Blue Lewis in, 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 uh, in, in Ireland. There was lots of guys on his record that you look down at, you say, bloody hell, you know, that, who are they? But mm. the fact of the matter was, he kept busy, and he, and he thought, you know, what was around. And what's happened, unfortunately, with Tyson is these offers have been made, and and in the last couple of years, the emphasis isn't about I want to fight for the title; it's about where can I get the most money. Mm. And that's what's gone on, and that, and that has disrupted the. You know, it's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing if, when it happens because the boxers earn phenomenal money. Everybody involved does. But when it doesn't happen, all it's done is stop the division from being active because everybody's, well, not, not so much us, but everybody's sitting around waiting for things, you know, waiting for this big payday. And that's why it's all, why it's gone a bit dead. So, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's a different era and it's, it's different reasons. Well, from Frank Warren, we were joined by his young super bantamweight fighter, Dennis the Menace McCann. He wasn't too much of a menace, if I'm honest. He is a very hard-working traveller fighter. He wants to talk to us about the traveller community, how it's changed, how a career is there for him. He's not in a hurry, but boy, is he talented. Here's Dennis McCann with me and Spencer. Your debut in the studio. You're cool as ice when you fight. You're, you're, you go to work. You, you bust moves. You've got, I mean, Spencer knows your style. It's got, you've got beautiful movement. You live the life. You're a traveller, so it's your national sport. You've grown up with it, you know. Um, are you the next world champion from the traveller community? Um, a million percent, definitely, yeah. Um, I think I'm definitely going to go all the way. Well, did you know what? Dennis, a lot. I was brought up with the traveller community as well, like with so many of them boxing in and around where we're at, not far from where Billy Joe is actually. And it is a massive thing, isn't it, in the travelling community? Like all the kids, like literally all of them, box at some point, one one point or another. A question I wanted to ask you, and it's it's a fascinating question actually. Like, like our gym was like Finchley ABC was polluted with travellers when we were kids, and you get so many of them that are schoolboy champions, junior ABA champions. Question I wanted to ask you is, as they turn senior, why is it that so many travellers drop off and drop out of boxing? Because I've seen so many class acts where you look at them and go, you know what, that kid is going to be world champion. And for one reason or another, they drop off. And that's that, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Um, they all get married very young, don't they? Yeah, they've got four kids, they're yeah. 20, and they've got a job already. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, yeah. I think they get a taste of money and like new cars and this stuff. That, and they're like most of the family's got quite a few quid as well, so... Is that changing though? Is that an older view, like that we've got in our fifties now about what happens in the traveller community? Is that changing? Definitely. Um, I think the likes of uh, Tyson Fury and Billy Joe Saunders, Andy Lee, um, and the likes of myself is bringing through a lot more kids mm. and giving them hope. Mm. Um, and like even the kids now, they text me and stuff like that. And I've got like I've quite a few kids signed over with Frank. 
and then put, point them in the right direction. Because, I mean, going back to when I was boxing, you, like I said to you, you had so many little young kids that were champions and, and sort of fizzled out, like you say, because they got married young, etc., etc. Never had many that turned pro and done very well as a pro. Now it is a new generation, isn't it? Things have changed. Billy Joe Saunders played a big part in that as well. I think the traveller community now look up to like people like Billy and Tyson Fury, obviously the heavyweight number one, you know, the Gypsy King, with yourself as well. I mean, you're inspiring the next generation, the younger generation, to actually, you know, continue past that amateur that, that amateur level. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's listen, boxing such a hard game, but I think people are starting to see like an end to like, a tunnel. You can, you know, it's, it's possible. There's a big, it's a big possibility you can you can um, go all the way. Is there is there a a thing in your family? I mean, I've met a lot of your family over... I think it was the Albert Hall I met a load of them one yeah. night. I mean, like, I, I ended up not going out with them because I thought I'm not going to get home till well early in the morning. Um, they are, like... Nutters. No, well, I don't know if they're nutters. They're real characters. You come from a family, and you're the quiet one almost, you know? Um, but has this... You've got family uncles, brothers. You've got people of box forever in your family. Did you know as a little kid when they put gloves on you that this was it straight away 100% um, what were you five f- four or five year old mm. St Mary's Boxing Gym back in the day at first that was after down in Maidstone yeah uh, was yeah. that in Kent yeah it's in Kent yeah and my older brother was very very good schoolboy champion like won everything and he I see him fizzle off for the party life and girls this that he got married and then um, I think I learned from his mistakes mm. and I, was, I used to run around punch everyone between the two legs around the boxing gym and be a bit of a menace. Did he say that to you then at the time or were you just watching and knowing that I'm I'm watching the, mis- not mistakes my brother's made, but he's gone on a different route. And what was he saying, don't do what I did because you've got the talent? Yeah, definitely. But my dad was a massive part of it as well. Um, he made me believe so much and I, even to this day. Everything I've done so far now, I ain't done much, but I'm getting there. Um, it's through the amateurs, I won everything. Um, nine-time national champion, box for England. But my dad told me I do all this, and then, same as a pro. Um, he told me the same thing, and I just believed, I visualised it before. But before you're, already, you're already Commonwealth bantamweight champion. Um, you're only 22. Have you got a family already? I got one, one little baby girl. Yeah. Okay, so you've got responsibilities. You know about those things already. But it's interesting you say that you haven't achieved much. But you're 14 and 0. You've got eight knockouts. You're Commonwealth champion. You're going the traditional route, aren't you? You're not. You're probably not a million miles away, six, eight, ten fights from challenging for a world title. I, f- I think less. This next fight now will put me maybe top, maybe five, six in the world um, against Lona Baluta, which is a very good fighter. He's beat, he beat world champions, everything. So um, I think I'm four or five maximum. Mm. I mean, at, at, what's, what's the roadmap for you, Dennis? Where do you see yourself going in the next 12 months or so? I mean, how quickly do you want to move? Do you want to still stay on that development stage? Because like you say, you had an extensive amateur career, done brilliant and won everything as an amateur. How quickly do you want to move as a pro? I think the next next 14 months, I think I could be a world champion. Mm. I really do. Um, I'm, not, I'm not deluded. I know, I know how good I am. I just don't think everyone else has seen the best of me yet. I think this next fight now is going to be going to open everyone's eyes up. And I wanted to touch on the travel traveler community again because I think this is a big part of it. And, I, and you know, because I know the traveling community, grew up with them. I like to talk about how close you all are, like not just you know your family and the people around you. I mean, it goes sort of like it, it goes national, doesn't it? The, like the whole country. If, if you get a good traveler boxer, travelers from all around follow you and you know come and support you. And it's just like the, yeah, the, the the support is just insane. 
Exactly, yeah, we always, we always stay together, which is, which is great. Um, even from all different countries, American travellers, I get messages from... So it's like global? Global, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they love me. Yeah, no, no, but I just think it's fascinating, I really do. I just think it's great how your, your community, such a tight-knit community, like you say, globally I'm talking about, that come and support you. You get one good traveller boxer and bang, everyone's on you. And, it, and and that really does matter, doesn't it? I mean, it must make you feel brilliant, like, you know, like you are inspiring that next generation because... I know what these traveller sites are like, and I know you've got, like, hundreds, thousands of, like, seven, eight-year-old kids wanting to be the next Dennis McCann, and that is the inspiration. That must make you feel good. It's amazing, definitely. I'm very grateful to be in the position I am, and um, and hopefully in time to come, um, I can be a manager myself one day and help all the younger kids come through, come through the ranks. That's well, interesting. You, you, you fancy staying involved in the sport in, in that way, even you like the lifeblood of it. I love it. I live and breathe it. Watch it every day, all day. Mm. Listen, you won't have a shortage of people to sign up, will you, if you're signing up with the travelling community? Because you always are just churning out champions all the time. And I think now, because of people like yourself and Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders and all that, inspiring that, that next generation, I think they're just going to get better and better and better, the travelling community, because you just something seem to Something has be changed. Producing, yeah, the no, producing something stars, has changed. they recognise now that you don't have to just drop off because you've got a young family, drop off and focus on the work and supporting the family, that actually... There's so much money in boxing now, and there's so much talent in the travelling community. There's that opportunity. It's all about opportunity. I'm in Cambridge a lot. You know, I I cycle there a lot, and I do the rivers a lot, and I live near there. And there are a lot of travellers in that area. And, you know, they they all stop. The the community always Mm. stops to talk about Tyson Fury. What's he doing next? Dennis McCann, as you say, Billy Joe Saunders. Is he going to fight again? There is a, a fervency about boxing like you get with Chelsea, Tottenham, Man United, Liverpool fans for boxing. It's it, it, it's more than a national sport for some reason. And you notice it with the little boys and girls that they are they have a confidence about them as Gareth, a result, Gareth, don't when, they? Gareth, when don't you go they? to these... No? When, when you go they to have these, a confidence that you yeah. don't get in other kids. Mate, yeah. when you go it's to these a, amateur shows, yeah, you go to these local yeah. amateur shows, whether it's schoolboys or whether it's... You a know who the travellers are. Show, no, it's not that you know the travellers are. It's like 90% of yeah, the shows no. now are travellers. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It's just like th- th- there are so many of them that are just inspired to box because of these yeah, young yeah, guys. Yeah. But they and have they an incredible confidence about them. And they all win. I've got a little yeah, brother, yeah, yeah. little Richard. <laughs> yeah. uh, his name is Richard, yeah? Yeah. yeah. But Richard, you call him little Richard, yeah? Richard Hitman McCandy call him, yeah? <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> he's 28 kilos. He's 28 had, kilos? What's that? Atom weight or something? Oh, it's crazy weight. Uh, and he's, he's seven fights, seven wins. He's 12 year old. Oh, he's 12, just, okay. Yeah. Just won the schoolboys the other day. Yeah. Um, you think he's confident. I've never seen a more confident kid mm. ever. He's a natural switcher. And, and the question I want to ask you as well is, when did this transition happen, right? Because when I was boxing and we used to box travellers, they, all they were was you knew that you was, they was like having a street fight. It was yeah, like yeah, having yeah, one on the yeah, cobbles. Yeah. They would come at you, not, not, no, no technique, just strong and just keep punching. <laughs> it's changed now. Now they're stylistic. Like, you know what I mean? Like Billy Joe yeah, was very yeah. stylish. You'd switch, you southpaw, all the dogs, all that sort of stuff. They've got a great boxing IQ like Tyson Fury, like yourself. Yeah. What I'm saying is you go to them schoolboy shows now and I look at them kids and like you say, 20, 28 kilos. They? They've got shorts on down to their ankles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they come out, <laughs> hands down by their waist. Like Azim. Doing the, doing the old bolos. <laughs> um, Gareth, when I say like, I mean, honestly, when, they, when I say they can whack, you just go like, how is that little thing producing power like that? I mean, it's just mad. Where did that come from? When when did that transition happen? Yeah, it's changed. It has, definitely. Um, I think the world was watching us and they and, 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 and doing the yeah. same thing. Really good body shot from McCann. Mixing up to head and body now. Off the cut again from McCann. 
Corfin flush. Worrying moments here for Ham and it's waved off. Marcus McDonald stops the fight. And Dennis McCann is the new Commonwealth Super Bantamweight title. I'm Gareth and Davis, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Spencer, the omen, Oliver, in here causing trouble with me tonight. If he's the omen, we got uh, the menace in here as well. Dennis McCann, 14-0, eight knockouts. Frank Warren's brilliant super bantamweight, Southport. In fact, he's a switch hitter, really. He can do everything. He can dance, sing. In fact, we need some songs, Dennis McCann, because you are making your headline debut at the York Hall in, I want to say in August. August the 18th, yeah. August the 18th, against Jon Baluta. Yeah, yep. you're the Commonwealth champion defending the Commonwealth title to him. No, nope. oh, because um, he's not in the Commonwealth, is no, he? No, he's not. He's not. Romanian, and from memory, I think mm-hmm. he's been around. He's a tough nut. Yep, you're going to crack him. I'm going to take him out, definitely. The Listen, first to take him out. Where Where is your career going to go? Like, are you going to stay at Super Bantam? Because you've boxed at uh, featherweight as well, haven't you? You won a WBC international catchweight. Title, it was a catchweight. Yeah. yeah, okay. Was it a catchweight? So, mm-hmm. are you going to campaign at Super Bantam, or we move up to featherweight? Because you're huge for a Super Bantam, massive, by the way. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. We noticed that. that we did photos tonight. Super Bantamweight, just Oliver. Mm. I actually did, mate. You know, but to be fair, though... They've changed I, I, shape. Yeah, no, They've but, changed over no, the years. No, but you know what? Super Bantamweights, this is true, Gareth. six and, footers and, and, now. Listen, Dennis will back me up on this. The super Bantamweights are, are notoriously tall. Yes. You don't get many small ones. No, true. You know? And, and you, that is you true. were the little stocky one, weren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a body puncher, mate. Mike Tyson. <laughs> the, the rib cracker. Look, look at he's got... See, see the fire in him tonight? Can you see? Because you're in. Yeah, yeah, I love super bantamweights. I just love super bantamweights. Yeah. And I think that you're doing a fantastic job. I really do. I mean, the fight that you had against James Beats Jr., yeah. you know, I think yeah. that was a sort of coming-of-age fight for mm-hmm. you. You know, it was one of those ones where you think, right, let's see it. And you just slowly broke him down and, and stopped him in that eighth round. And for me, that was like, for me, I'm looking at it going, James is a good fighter there. And the way that you won that, and the way that you, you know, took him out, in the end I went... That's impressive. I think that, you know, your development has been perfect so far. That's why I asked you the question earlier on how fast you see yourself moving because sometimes when you're that good, it's hard to hold you back. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? That so is it's a just, problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Frank's even thrown a few names at me before this fight and the people are saying it's 50-50, this, that. Because um, this kid's beat a few world champions. He's beat mm. a few very top-class kids, four or five Frank Warren kids, the likes of Foster and Kane and stuff like that. And then I made this fight happen. I said, I said, if I can't beat this, because I'm not gonna be a world champion, so mm. give me him, give me yeah. the main guy. Yeah, I know this guy as well, actually. So I've seen him. He's trained over in the gym where I was at in, in Bushy. Very tough guy. Very, very, very game. Yeah, and, and, and he brings it. Yeah, he's, it's one of those ones where you go, okay, Dennis, fair enough. He's twenty, he's twenty fights, sixteen wins, four losses, but he can fight. And the losses on his record are against good quality opponents. So it is another step up for you. Definitely, I'm, I'm twenty two year old now as well. So um, I'm looking at these Americans. They're world champions by 22. So for me, it's now or never. He took the, he took Conlon, uh, Michael Conlon, the distance mm-hmm. as well. In he's an awkward. And he's Liam got an Davis awkward, as well. He's got yeah. awkward movement. Yeah, yes, he did. He's got awkward movement about him at times, and he can take a dig as well. But we know what you're like. You you specialize in in. I don't know what you do when you're not in the ring, but I reckon you can demolish things quite easily because you dismantle, don't you? That's how you go about fighting someone else. Your skills allow you... You're almost like... I don't know, it's like you're a sniper when you fight. <laughs> no, no, really, I, yeah. that's how I see you. you, can, you you've you got this vision when you're in there, sniping shots. Do you know what I mean, Spencer? A- absolutely, absolutely, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that he's he's very precise and yes. he's, he's accurate and, and, and like his, his punches have snap in them. And so when you're a guy of that sort of weight, 
and and you're throwing those shots where like precision is is an important thing. You know what I mean? Timing, accuracy, and all that. And that's what you've got. You know, you shoot, slip into a rhythm, an and that's what you've got. And, and yeah. an engine. I wanted to ask you about actually your next fight at the York Hall. The, the famous, notorious York Hall brings out the best in fighters. The heat in there is incredible, but yeah. it's just something special, something magical about that. What does York Hall mean to you? And I mean. How, how, how good is it to be headlining there? Very, very grateful. It means a lot to me, Beth, uh, Beth Green does, because I've, I've come out of the, the Repton Boxing Club. I've been walking them streets since I'm an 11-year-old with a backpack in my back. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Did you make the journey on your own? Yeah. They used to let you come up on your own? Yeah, Get the yeah. train and the bus? I used to get a train three and a half hours or four hours from Birmingham to, to Bethnal Green, train all night, and then go from there back home. I used to get home at 11, 12 o'clock. Where did you sleep at night then? No, I slept at home, but I get home very late, like half eleven. I left school at, I think it was ten, just a box. Did you enjoy being out on your own? It's like leaving, it's almost like a rite of passage as a young man leaving the village. Yeah. To go and do that journey, to become a man. And yeah. you were eleven. I was eleven year old, I looked about, I looked about, I looked about four when I was eleven as well. Listen, I've heard of fighters putting all their eggs in one basket and trying to follow their dreams, but eleven years of age, I mean, that just Three and tells and a half you hours. what that means to you. Of course, it doesn't mean so much to me. Um, why was it? Why Repton then? Why did you want to go there? Because the best, I knew the best was from there. I wanted want to aspire the best, to be the, to be the best. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but they, I mean, they've got a great history in, in amateur boxing, like you say. So you, you know the York Hall very well, because it's just around the corner from the from, um, Repton Boxing Club. So what does it mean to you boxing there, topping the bill there in your next fight? I mean, you know, that's another mark on your record it's a massive thing isn't it means so so much to me 22 years of age ain't seen many kids from from the uk doing this here what i'm doing um but i love that i love the whole of bethel green in that arena mm. that night it's nearly sold out within a couple of weeks so you bear a handful of tickets left so and we was in there the other week and the heat in there is absolutely insane that's what you get about the york hall what i love about the york hall is that fighters see it brings seems to bring something out in a fighter when they box there and you get a lot of upsets in there because you know you the crowd just goes so mad and fighters box sort of like they don't stick to the game plan they go for it and they're mm. just like it's so hot in there you see fighters tiring and whatnot. we had um, who was the heavyweight Fra- Fraser Clark was yeah, boxing Fraser there Clark against there, Marius yeah. Wack I mean I as part of the broadcast we were doing I went up onto the balcony and been up there for years to be honest mm-hmm. but you are literally on top of the ring and I think you can you can hear every shout and scream in that ring from every participant who's watching it's an extraordinary thing Mate, to do you're going to have 1,200 travellers in there. Could you imagine that? It's going to be absolutely it's insane. nuisance. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely the insane. The nuisance follows the menace. It follows the menace, yeah. But to me, that means nothing to me. I, I, not a lot of people my age is like this, but when I was younger, I was 15, I flew to to Russia with the, with the, England, UK, with the England squad by myself uh, for the European Games, and there, was, there must have been 5,000 Russians when I was fighting against Russia, mm. screaming in the ear, and I still, still bashed them up. Yeah. So the crowd doesn't mean nothing to me. The heat, I'm used to the heat. I'm repped in. You wouldn't get any hotter than that. So, are you, are you the type of fighter that actually feeds off the crowd being against you as well? Like, because that can, you know, some fighters it can get to them and they sort of like melt a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And psychologically, they get done. Other fighters feed off that. You know, like Chris Eubank Senior is a classic for that. You know, where he went in there and he was sort of like the villain. Are you the type of fighter that feeds off the crowd being against you? A million percent. I'm, I, I'm that's the type of guy I am. I love the, when the cameras are on me and when the, when the crowds. Screaming my name, I just, I love it. Mm, nice. Dennis, do you live the life? Do you neither smoke nor drink? Do you, do you have a cheat day? What, you don't drink, you don't smoke? 
Uh, I've had a few strawberry daiquiris and holiday a couple of times. Strawberry daiquiri. But no, I live a life. Yeah, you live a life. And what's your? Do you do you have a cheat day with food or not? Not in trading camp. I won't make, definitely won't make the way of cheat. Yeah, I know you have Haribo's, mate. I know not, that for no, a fact. Not, no, I know that's a fact. Not for ten weeks. Camp. Not one cheat. Not sure? a bit of sauce. Nothing. You see that that that's the difference in we were talking about traveller community before and letting yourself go and having a fight and then letting yourself go and eating. You'd, you're actually living the life. That's a big change. Yeah, big, big time. Mm. I, I, I rent them on the house. I rent them a house train in the UK. That's a big statement. Mm. I live in Breebox and, and I have to. I have to train. I train twice a day, even out of camp, because mm. I have to. Because I'm a bit, of, a bit of a greedy, greedy bugger. I like mm. the sweeties. So, but I am a very, very hard all year round. I train. What can, I, it, can, can I, I bring your brother in? Your brother's sitting here very quietly and diligently. Introduce yourself, please. My name is Jim McCann. Coming into the microphone a little bit oh. more. Yeah. Now you look like a younger brother. I'm younger, yeah. Um, uh, do you box as well? I boxed when I was like 16 and then I had to uh, give up. And do, and work do you, with my dad. You work with your dad now yeah. already. And your dad is? Uh, Jimmy's name is. Is Jimmy. Is he listening tonight? Yeah, he will be listening, yeah. He'll be listening. How proud is dad of both of you, I, I take it? How proud is dad of your brother uh, as a boxer? He always he always said um, he'd make it. He always said he'd make a champion. So nearly, he's nearly there now, isn't he? So. Do you spar with him? Do you knock him about a bit or not? Mate, I can't spar him. I'm too skinny for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there, is there, has there been sparring between the brothers as you've grown up, though? Or? No, because my older brother has too much pride. Back, I'll probably bash him up now. And he, as an older brother, he, he, he wouldn't spar me. Mm. He has I too had, much pride. His younger brother beating up his older brother, he ain't going to have that, is he? I had that with my older brother as well, because he used to be a lot, because he was, he was better than me when we were younger. And as we grew and I got to a certain level, things changed. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. And he's like, no, nah, we don't do that no more. He'd get a weapon, he'd probably beat, beat me with us. <laughs> Spence, as a former super bantamweight champion, mm-hmm. What advice have you got for Dennis? Just keep doing what he's doing. I've seen you in the gym, actually. I've seen you train. I've seen you spar. I've seen the way that you work, your work ethic. And that is the most important thing. I think that, listen, cheats always get found out in boxing. And, you know, you only get out what you put in. And this is what it is. You're following your dream. You're nearly there now. You're there. You're at the final stages, the final hurdle. You just got to stick to you. I know you've got the talent. You've got the ability. You've got the boxing IQ. You've got the strength. You can get down in the trenches because that's where you come from. Your background, you're tough. You're naturally bred like that. So all it is for you is staying focused, sticking to the game plan, you know, and not just getting sidelined because as you grow as a fighter, you're going to get more and more people and they're trying to entice you to go out and do this, do that. Follow your dreams. Train like you're a challenger every time. Even when you're a champion, you train like you're a challenger. And that's what it is. You only get out what you put in to so just keep grafting. Thank you, Spencer. Thank What's you your reaction to that? I think he's 100% right. Even though like, I've often got ahead of myself a little bit, people blowing smoke up in you and stuff like that. As you, a young kid, you know what I mean? It's a lot for a young kid to take on. I turned pro at 18. And um, all the attention, even women, even everything, really. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I'm very, I feel like I'm a very mature kid and I'm very humble. And um, getting a fast few quid, you know what I mean? A lot of kids go off and think, thinking they're Vince Fontaine, but I'm <laughs> yeah. very humble. Do you know what it is? It's so true what you say, because... Um, both criticism and praise are twin imposters. Mm. That's what they are. They're twins and they're both imposters. And if you, the little that you listen to one and the little that you listen to the other, you just stay in your lane and do it. You're clearly doing all the right things. You're fantastic to watch as well. The problem, you, the get, other thing the about problem you get, Gareth, is that you get people, like he says, that blow smoke up your backside and you, all of a sudden you start thinking you become a superstar. I think but you're where, a fly where, before yeah, you... Where yeah. Dennis is, he's only tipped the iceberg. You go, no, listen, mate, Like you've got to keep your feet on the ground 
ground because, for, you know, you're one of those guys who just got to stay focused because, you know, it's easy to get carried away with things. The great shot, right hand, and down he goes. Brilliant punch right on the ball. Down went Peter. I'm not sure whether he's going to beat the count or not. He's looking at the corner up to get to the count of eight. But it was an absolutely brilliant punch on Dennis McCann that put him down. Didn't travel very far, but my word, it found the target and did the job. And now he's looking for the finish. With over a minute to go in the eighth round, and Dennis McCann piling on the pressure. And there goes the power. The corner have stopped it. The stoppage win for Dennis McCann. In the traveller community at the moment, as I say, every other person that stops me asks me at the moment, in public, what's happening with Tyson Fury. There must be debate at the moment that everyone wants to see him fight Alexander Usyk or Anthony Joshua, because those are the two fights for him to finish the era, surely. Of course, even if it's his last fight, um, it should be here for one of them. I think the British fans really want to see the for, see the Joshua fight, don't we? Mm, yeah. Um, I just don't understand what's, what the holdback is. There's, I can't wait to watch it. To be fair. Mm. I mean, what's the ge genuine feeling within the travelling community? Is there frustration, you know, on, on Tyson's part? Because look, we know that he's the number one heavyweight out there. He's proved that he's number one heavyweight, and, and of modern eras, everybody's got to box everyone. You know, what do they want to see him fight Joshua? They want to see him fight Alexander Usyk. But what's the frustration like? We all can't wait. Honestly, we genuinely all can't wait. Um, and we just everyone just looks up to him so much it's, it's ridiculous but we, we just cannot wait to mm. see him get that mega fight because mm. we're all going to be there we're all going to be there cheering him on if it is going to be Francis and Garner we had Frank Warren your promoter on, on air with us before um, before you came on and he said you know I will. T all I'll tell you is that Tyson Fury is fighting we believe it's early October mm -hmm. we believe it's Francis and Garner I mean a lot of people are going to be disappointed with that. I mean, a lot of people are going to find it fascinating. Um, the box office numbers will be insane because they will, it's a crossover no, thing. Everyone will rubberneck it, to watch it. Absolutely. But will you watch that? I'll definitely watch it, yeah. Um, mm. He's always excited whenever he does. Whatever he does, he's always going to be exciting. That's the thing, isn't it? That whatever Tyson Fury does, is, you know it's going to be entertainment, right? It's going to be a big build-up. Francis Ngannou is going to be one of those ones where people go, right, you've got the MMA UFC champion going in there heavy-handed. Can he turn over the world number one, you know, having his first fight? But it will be a fascinating build-up between them two. Of course it will. Um, they're both definitely a bit lurry to each other, aren't they? So it's going to be, mm. can't wait. The build-up alone, I can't wait for. Can you imagine, More than the fight. Can you imagine being frustrated, though, if you weren't fighting Noya Inui or Stephen Fulton or, you know, the guys who are the top of your division at the moment, um, and that you were having to wait until and have three fights in between that weren't them because you were in a position to either win the world title or be the undisputed champion and, and, and you were being told, no, just wait, have that fight because there's greater riches there. That must be a very frustrating situation to be in. Mm. Of course, yeah. I'd hate that. I'd hate that because especially you have the fire just to, get, to go, straight to the, go straight to the head of the snake, wouldn't you? You want to get the, the big mm. belt, don't you? Straight to the head of the snake, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And well, stay there. Mm. Not you know, slide down the snake and climb the ladder again. Nope. Well, it's where Tyson Fury sat at the moment in his career. They're in his, you know, all these heavyweights now are in the twilights of their career. So, you know, you want to see these fights happen sooner rather than later, don't you? Like for Tyson, it's frustrating because he's got to train every day. You know, you you you, you can explain what that's like. You know, when you haven't got a fight lined up, or you you're waiting for a fight to happen, but you've got to stay in shape. It's very hard to stay focused in the gym, isn't it? To stay motivated, to get up in the morning, go running, go in the gym, and you're doing that. It's like live, eat, sleep, boxing, and that's what that's what a boxer's life is, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, it's not just a training part. It's the, it's the, it's the dedication and the, mm. and the other things. Your friends asking you to do this, do that, and then like family parties, whatever. Mm. So it's not just the training; it's everything else around us.
It's a lifestyle, your whole life. Mm. Are you ever frustrated by the politics of it, though? Of course. You personally? Yep, definitely. I think um, I think boxing has become too much about money, more than the fights. Now, we all like money. Everyone likes money, doesn't he? But um, even this fight here now, for me, I could have I got the same money to fight three um, Tom, Dick and Harry's that Frank mentioned to me, but I, I, didn't, I said, no, I don't want them. I said, I want that guy, I said. Give me him. Are you are you here for for a good time in boxing and not a long time uh, to achieve your aims and and then go away with your faculties intact? Spencer, you know, very good friend of mine for twenty five years. I thank the Lord he's here. Um, he escaped mm-hmm. with his life. You know, it's an inherently dangerous sport. You guys at this weight are boiling down to a certain weight and you're generally going 12 rounds at championship level because the elite fighters normally, at your weight in your weight category, have great chins, great mm-hmm. engines, and you guys have to box hard for 12 rounds. Is it a long career for you? Do you have a timeline for yourself? I haven't got a timeline, no, but I think we're a time pro so young, I think I'll get out a lot younger. But, um, of course, we all want the money, but I'm not even thinking about the money at the moment. Mm. I'm thinking about bringing up the younger generation up with me. I think I've still got 10 years of me in mm. this game, maybe. Well, um, help a if it goes to plan. You've got a style that is like, you've got a great ring craft boxing IQ, so you're one of those guys that, like, you know, you throw shots and, you, and you've mastered the art of boxing and that's hit and not be hit. You know, you've got a good defence as well and I think that's important for the little guys because the little guys, there's, it puts a lot of mile on the years, a lot of years on the miles, sorry, when you like, when you're, you're getting involved all the time, you know, having tear ups and whatnot. It does. It puts moles on the clock, man. That's what I'm trying to say. Of course. It does. And um, you don't. You know. You know how to control the space. And when you control the space, you can dictate the pace of the fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's what you do really well. Mm, definitely. Less punishment, the better. I obviously, mm. want to go home to my family, um, nice and safe as well. I want to keep looking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing all right there, mate. Yeah, I ain't doing too bad. Couple, <laughs> of question, couple of questions from the public. How do you see the Joyce versus Jang rematch going? Uh, I think I think the same again. I think Jang might it's be very hard fight for Joe. It's a isn't very it? hard fight for I Joe. Agree. Got to respect him for that, though, haven't you? Of course, of course you have. He's got he's got um, he's got big big gahonis, I should I say? He's yeah. got to get into this fight quicker. He's got to, and he's obviously got to move his head and move his feet. But it's not his forte. I but think he's got to get into this fight quicker. Jang just is such a big, long southpaw. Olympic gold medalist, clever, sneaky. Yeah, but that's he's where I think sne- Joyce those went angles wrong. he created for I his left hand. Joyce come in too light, and that's where he went wrong. You know, mm. I think that it's one of those ones that he is the juggernaut for a reason, and I think that size got to be reckless. Helps him absolutely, and I he's think that's, that's what he's So how do. does he deal with the southpaw then? How do you do with Seb? I think he's just got to be wild and hope for the best. I think he's got to swing a few over the top um, and try and maybe maul the southpaw, grab him, try and rough him up. He's um, got to take him into the second half of the fight and wear him down. That's what he's got to do because it's always going to be tough. The first six rounds is going to be hard. When you're fight, you're a southpaw, obviously, aren't you? But when you're fighting a southpaw, what are those things that... Will you switch? You do, we have seen you switch, actually. Yeah. I'm going to say something funny to you and you probably won't believe it but I can't tell if someone's southpaw orthodox I genuinely can't oh really I'll just hit whatever I see and whatever comes available I just I just, I just throw it and the funny thing is we're learning more and more are you right are you a righty or a lefty a, a right handed southpaw but... oh, so, so you are a right handed southpaw so, so Bruce Lee was a converted mm. southpaw as well wasn't yeah. so many fighters are but I get, I get to a lot of people's brains but that's why I can't tell yeah. If my coach says to me, like he knows as well, I can't tell. I'll ask him what hands is it, and he'll, t- he'll point his finger and he'll say that one. Is that right? I promise you, I can't but tell. That, do you know what? That's a beautiful, you know, a beautiful ability to have that you can't recognise that because you know when an orth- 
orthodox boxes are southpaw. A lot of orthodoxes can't handle that because of the, you know, the, the styles, you know, top fighters have struggled with southpaws because it's just one of those things. But yeah. if you can't recognise it, then that's beautiful. Can't recognise. Another question's coming. I'm going to come to Jimmy, your brother, in a minute and I'll get him to tell a story about you because we do need a couple because you're so modest about yourself. Um, so save that story for the end of this segment. Um, how do you see Usyk versus Dubois? Alexander Usyk versus Daniel Dubois. How do you see that? Um, I'm back. I'm back in Daniel on the way, but um, I think Usyk might be a bit too clever. Um, could size hopefully play 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 a big advantage for Daniel? He's always got a puncher's chance, and um, by the help of God, he he gets the job done for us, for us UK fans. Um, but I just think Usyk might be a bit too clever, too fast, too sharp. And finally, we give him a bit of praise. Uh, what's it like being promoted by Frank Warren? Very, very good. I speak to Frank quite a lot. He sends some funny old WhatsApps. Oh, yeah, he, he likes he a bit loves of comedy. The he loves a bit of comedy, doesn't he, Frank? Come on, Jimmy. You're, you're the younger brother of That's Dennis. Right, I'm younger, um, you're yeah. the younger brother. You've sat there very diligently. Dennis doesn't talk himself up that much, in my view. Mm -hmm. He can talk himself up a lot more. You've got some stories about him? Well, I have a couple. Scott, give me a couple of questions, I'll answer them. Okay, um, is he a funny man or not? <laughs> Yeah, he can be funny sometimes. He can be annoying sometimes. The way brothers go on that. What's your favourite moment in his career so far? Uh, I think it's just when he's knocking out the people and it's the crowd behind them. What, what, fight, very what fight do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, the fight. Um, James Beads, maybe. Yeah, I think it's James Beads. That, that shot you hit him and you put him down the first time. And coming yeah. from the boxing McCann family, obviously you've stopped now. What do you feel? Sometimes there's too much pressure on you guys to box. I think. For him, yeah. Me brother Richard does a lot as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, from how... Little Richard. How 12 year old little Richard. Can't wait to meet little Richard. I think I did meet He's Richard. He's funnier than all of us. Uh, is he? Talk better than all he of us. He was there at the Albert Hall, actually, wasn't he, with your mum? Yeah, yeah. He, he was, was yeah. With yeah. well, a little grin on his face the whole time. Yeah, yeah that one. That's the one. I, I've got one for you, Jimmy. <laughs> What's it like now seeing Dennis, you know grow and develop as a fighter and now he's a champion and looking to go on to world honours what was that like growing up seeing him develop like that I'm very proud of him to be fair of you I've so looked up to him like when I was boxing as well um, like seeing him do so many things go to Europeans beat so many national champions being a nine time national champion himself um I was pretty proud of him, to be fair with you. He took a few rib shots on the way as well. I was going to uh, ask that. That yeah, was the I next question, to be yeah. fair. I've had yeah. a bit of stick in my time, trust me. <laughs> and, 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 and the final question for the for you, got to be then, Dennis, that if Jimmy starts it, will you finish it? As in, as Wherever. in the fight? Wherever it is. I'll finish it with a screw shot. I'm going to have to run it, and I mind finish it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure having you as well, Jimmy, thank on you, with us. Give your regards much. to Dad as well. I will do. Um, it's you. been great to have you both on. Dennis, we wish you all the best in your career. It's been lovely to have you on. Come again, please. T tune in August the 18th yep. for, for a big KO from the menace. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Well, from the men's boxing to the women's boxing, we were obviously up in Manchester last weekend for Tasha Jonas winning a world title against Candy Wyatt at welterweight, and obviously Savannah Marshall uh, beating the HH diva Franchon Cruz Desern to win all the super middleweight belts. Well, Spencer had caught up with Tasha Jonas about her performance, where she wants to go from here, and her aspirations. Here's what she had to tell him. It was a great night, I think. You know, topped up by Savannah, winning undisputed. Um, we've been together for so long throughout the amateurs and to see her come up and, you know, develop into a woman, go through her ups and downs and then get her a big night on Saturday was was amazing. And obviously it was, I, I started the ball rolling, so she had to keep it going. Yes, you certainly did. I mean, you both had your ups and downs in your careers and it seems like in the twilight of your careers, you've both come really good. You know, she become undisputed champion. You win a world title down at welterweight you first win it up at super welterweight but you know you had your disappointments early on in your career didn't you against Terry Harper down at super featherweight then you moved up to lightweight and lost another close fight to um, Katie Taylor and then we think is Tash going to be one of those girls that doesn't quite make it doesn't you know doesn't she, you come up against the best and you think oh she might be one of those unfortunate girls that doesn't get the title then you jump up two weight divisions or three weight divisions to super welterweight and win that against Chris Namas and win it in style. And you haven't looked back since. No, no, it's probably been one of the best decisions I made. Uh, I had to go there because there was no opportunities anywhere else. Um, and Ben was a bit worried, to be honest. And he was like, I think it's too heavy. I think it's too big a jump. And I was like, Ben, just get me it and I'll do it. Like, you don't have to worry about the, the what happens in the ring. You just get me the opportunity. And he, to be fair to him, he got it. And I obviously went and won it, but... Um, then I was, I was, I've never wanted to stay a super well said if, if I'm honest. The idea was always to come back down, but the opportunities just kept presenting themselves. Like, um, it, it was, I think I was trying to get the fight with Hannah Rankin, that fell through. Then, uh, Bergolt and Brackhouse fell through, which meant that Bergolt was free. She had the WBC, which is a belt I've always wanted anyway. Um, so we fought for it, obviously won that, and then the care was like, yeah, yeah, I want to fight Tasha too. So, it it was just a case of staying there because that's where the opportunities were. All the other champions at other weight divisions had fights. We've literally been trying to get the Jess McCaskill fight for like eighteen months. Um, ever since ever since Namus, we've tried to get that Jess McCaskill fight, but 
Obviously, she went on fight, I think it was Bustos, then Chantel, um, and now she's fighting Sandy Ryan. Um, so, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we just keep on going where the opportunities are and we'll, we'll wait and see what happens, what results happen, and, and we'll pick one. I mean, you dropped down to welterweight, you beat Candy White for the IBF title in a brilliant fight, brilliant performance, actually. It was a punch-perfect performance, I thought, from from you. The first round, you opened up That's so well. change. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm critical, aren't I? But the first round, you opened up so well, and you had her in all sorts of trouble, and the fight could have, it was very close to being stopped, and you just grew on that, and you systematically broke her down. Now, I want to talk about the point of the stoppage, you know, the fight was stopped eventually in the eighth round. But as that fight was unfolding, I was watching it and I felt very uncomfortable. I mean, let's talk about the first round when you hurt her and you hurt her really badly. I mean, you sensed even yourself, didn't you, that, you know, this 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 girl could be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, and and something we definitely worked on is, is about having that killer instinct. Sometimes, like, I think, you know, most notably, Terry Harper in round, round eight, like... I had a hurt and like kind of let her hold on, kind of let her recover a little bit, and 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 it ultimately cost me the fight. So we've been working on that. We've been working on getting a faster start, um, and yet it just came together. And I, I I think there was a bit of confusion between me and the referee because every time he looked like he was going to step in, I stopped, and and he did say after the fight, I, I would have stopped it had you continued, but I was every time he moved in to, to go, I stopped and and like kind of was waiting for him to do it um, but there was also a, a, there was a, a shot I hit her with where, where her eye went like funny and like she started flickering her eye and obviously we've heard you know we're like schooled enough on, on the dangers of boxing and, and, and you know there's been some horror stories that you, you learn um, and I was a bit concerned at that and I was shouting ref her eye her eye um, and I think even, that was even something that the Sky Sports commentary team picked up on mm. Yeah, I mean, I was really concerned about it because I saw that we was at ringside as well commentating for Talk Sport, and we saw her eye flickering, yeah, you know, yeah. early on in the fight. And I'm thinking there's a problem here. Then her nose was bleeding heavily, which was another sign, you know, of you know, we know the dangers of the sport. I was I was involved in you know a blood clot in the brain myself, so I understand exactly what it is. And I'm thinking this doesn't look right. This girl's look hurt, and you were slowly breaking her down. Like it was not even that you was breaking her down; you was in complete control. But you was punch perfect, and you could see that. Every round she was getting hurt, and you get to the point about five or six, and I'm looking, thinking referee needs to do his job here. He's got to stop it. It's not a case of the corner, you, yeah. Oh, the corner. That's right. The corner the were too brave. They're the people that are closest to you. You know, they they train with you. You know, they go through camp with you, and they're supposed to have your best interest at heart. Like it, it got to a point where I think Joe said in the corner, like just stop just trying to punch hard and knock her out because she is we, we know from the McCaskill fight from the Leonard Dartu fight she can take shots all day like she she will she will just eat shots but um, it was a it was a case of like having to like eventually the stoppage will come if mm. you break her down but if you just punch hard at her eventually she, she just gets used to it mm. um, so it, it was a case of being a little bit smarter than just throwing hard shots because they were going to land and they, they were going to be hard but it was like the breaking down thing but yeah, we, we, we knew how tough she was going to be. I mean, the fight gets stopped in the eighth round. You become IBF welterweight champion, two-weight world champion. And now there's a load of options on the table for you. I mean, this is where we want to go now. Where, what are those options? You know, where, where would you like to be? Because I think you said yourself you'd like another 12, 18 months in the game. So this is like you want the big fights now. I mean, there's a load of names on the ta- table. Chantel, Chantel Cameron, has, um, Katie Taylor has reactivated her rematch clause with Chantel Cameron. Yeah. 
could you want the winner of that? I mean, we've got who else have we got out there at the moment? There's Sandy Ryan, Sandy McCaskill. Ryan, yeah, McCaskill. Clarissa, I've heard, it's coming down to one four seven. I yeah. wanted to talk to you about that as well. <clears throat> Clarissa Shields at ringside now. We know that she can be loud. She can be yeah. vocal. I was sitting next to her, actually, so I know exactly how loud she was being. And yeah, she was saying, fun. yep, let's get the fight on. I'll make 147. We'll get the fight down at 147, and let's do it. Let's, let's go over it. It's a fight that I want, but I only want it in America. What was your thoughts on that? Because I think that fight should be in England. I think commercially it makes sense to be in England. I think you know we have a lot of American fighters on our shows for a reason, because it, women's boxing is so... Um, predominant here um, um, for for Clarissa herself I, I thought genuinely thought that the fight had been and gone when, when we couldn't get it made at 154 I thought okay that's like that's a closed door I spent so much time trying to get it done it, it is it is what it is it didn't happen lesson learned um, and then yeah I, I seen or I got told that she was saying she'll come down to 147 which is absolutely wild considering when we was fighting, when we were supposed to have a fight at 154, Dimitri Salas is in interview saying, no, it isn't. It's a catchweight at 156. She can't make 154. So the, now she's saying, oh, well, you know, for you pay me well, I'll, I'll go down to 147. Okay, then mm. come. Come. Yeah. You I know, mean, it, it is what it is. What, what's on your wish list? Who, who would you, who's the ideal finish to your career really let's, let's name your last three fights who would oh. you like to fight would you like to go over Katie Taylor again obviously because of the two fights you've had with her, both of them have been of so close the Olympic quarterfinals and then obviously that fight that you had for her, for her titles in the lightweight division and you put up an unbelievable fight that was so close that fight would you like to do that again? A hundred percent. And I think it was a fight that deserved fans as well. We know how good the Olympic one was. Mm. And obviously that one was behind closed doors. So I think, yeah, we deserve a chance to mm. have it in front of fans. Liverpool, all that island, wherever it wants to be. Um, and, and get it done. But yeah, I think, you know, it's so hard with boxing. And as you know, but there's, there's fights that fans want to see. There's fights that, you know... Sky as 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 a production company want to put on as a platform want to put on. There's fights that for Ben, you know, for his investments and 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 whatever that 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 are easier for him to make. And then there's fights that I want, and and mm. somewhere in in between all them, we've we've got to, we've got to come up with a happy medium. And but you know, this is I like I said, I am towards the end of my career now, and I do want just the, the fights that. You know, I believe I can win, and and the fights that I that I want, like that, make me when I put put I finally do hand the gloves off, just be at peace with me boxing career. So, what is your wish list? Definitely uh, Chantal Cameron, definitely Katie Taylor, and then you know whatever else happens. Clarissa after Shields would be great. I, I mean, she wants to come down to one four seven. I'm here. Chantelle Cameron, Katie Taylor, Spence, great chat there, by the way. Um, she's always so lucid, is Tasha Jonas, and um, really enjoyed that. Do you think she'll get both those fights? I'm hoping she does. I think she deserves that. You know, I think she's been a great servant to the sport, a great ambassador to boxing, and, you know, we, and a great role model for women's boxing, women's sport. You know, she's um, she's done everything, isn't she? She She's lost to... You know, um, Katie Taylor in the Olympics in the quarterfinals in, the, in a fight that broke all sound records. Oh, you know, it was, it was a, an incredible day. fight. Then she yeah. lost her again as a you know challenging the Katie for the world title in another unbelievable fight. She's just been an incredible ambassador for the sport, and I 
hope that she gets the fights that she's craving for. You know, I'd like to see her getting Katie Taylor again. I'd love to see the Chantel Cameron fight. I just want to see her in the big fights. I want her to get the rewards that she deserves. And, and I think that that's where she's at now. You know, she's 39 years of age. She's probably only got another 12 months or so left. She wants the big fights and she deserves that. Absolutely. I do think that her and Katie Taylor is a fight that's more likely to materialise than Chantel Cameron, frankly. Because Cameron and Taylor will fight each other again, we're here in November. Yep. Um, I think Cameron wins that again, mm -hmm. uh, in my view, Chantel Cameron, and therefore that fight is there. On the night, finally, of course, um, Clarissa Shields, who wanted to fight everyone at every weight division, from, <laughs> from 147 to 160, or 168, rather, yeah. um, said that she'd fight Tasha at 147 and Joe Gallagher really jumped on that her her trainer like yes please we'll sign that now mm. um Clarissa Shields or is she too big for her in your view I think she would struggle to make 147 if I'm totally honest she said she can make it but that's um saying it and doing it is two different things look if that fight was to happen I'd love that for Tash I really would. And Joe Gallagher, I know that his mouth would be watering over that fight. I think that 147, they would they would open that with, they would welcome that with open arms. It's a fight that I think would, you know, I think it's a fascinating fight as well. I'd love to see that. I mean, Clarissa Seals is the quote. She's the greatest woman of all time. And so that is for a reason. She's gone through the weight divisions, up and down, back up again. And she's talking about coming back down again. You know, you've got to look at this girl and you go, Will anyone ever beat her? Is she that good? Because we saw her against Savannah Marshall in that historic moment for women's boxing at the O2 last year, last October. And she put in a performance there where you just looked at her, I looked at her and thought, I can't see this girl getting beat. I can see her retiring undefeated. I mean, she is she is a standout. And I'd love Natasha Jonas to get the opportunity to box her. Of course, on the main event of that card was Savannah Marshall. She put in a sterling, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, brawling performance, one ugly. Mick Hennessy, her promoter, joined us to talk about Savannah, where she goes next, where he thinks she sits in the women's division, and will she fight Clarissa Shields in her next contest? We also spoke about another fury, Huey, and how he's making his way back into the heavyweight division. <laughs> It was a, a brilliant night. I was so, so proud of Savannah. And um, no one deserves it more than, more than she does. Um, she had a long career now and she she's worked so, so hard and sometimes hasn't had the best of breaks. But, yeah, it all come together. And, you know, Savannah's, you know, just six foot there thereabouts and a, a, an absolute brilliant athlete. And that, for me, was her best weight super middleweight and um yeah I, it, it was as you say it wasn't it wasn't pretty but um we always knew we was going to get that sort of fight with with franchon um she she's a she's a rough tough rugged street fighter and um that's what she wanted to do she wanted to put savannah out of her stride she wanted to upset her she wanted to roughhouse her and um i think savannah savannah a little bit got caught up in the fact that you know, people were saying she was going to get run over and stuff, some people anyway, and that she'd be too rugged and too tough for her. And I think Savannah wanted to, you could see that Savannah was looking to, to take her out. And, 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 um, but, but Peter Fury clearly seemed to have those tactics with Savannah. Take her on, meet her head on, don't her, let her keep charging in like a bull. And, and she did. She, I think she fatigued the HH diva. And, and like you say, she won ugly in the end, but she maybe had to fight that way. She always had to do that, if I'm totally honest. It was going to be one of those fights. We knew what Franchon was going to bring to the table. I think the big question was, would the super middleweight division suit 
Savannah Moore and Mick, it clearly did, didn't it? I mean, it was a standout performance for me. She had, it was never going to be pretty. It was always going to be ugly. You know, Franchon's a stubborn, tough, crude, dirty fighter. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's exactly what, you know, she kept her cool, showed her, kept her composure. And for me, you know, it was a standout performance. Yeah, totally agree, Spencer. I, I, I thought it was, she'd done incredible under the circumstances because, you know, people were saying, why didn't she keep it long and why didn't she sort of box her and stuff? But as Spencer said, you know, when you've got someone like that who's basically throwing themselves at you and sort of like roughhousing you at every angle, um, she had to meet fire with fire at times. Mm-hmm. And, and and for me, she nearly took Franchon out um, about three times in that fight and it was just testament to to how tough and how durable and how determined the fighter Franchon was to keep her belts. So it, it, for me, it was a brilliant performance for Savannah. There, there's so much more to come. Um, she's at a brilliant weight now, and, and, and I'm really excited for her future. I, I feel like, for me, right now, since um, since you know Katie Taylor lost, I feel like um, Savannah for me is the biggest uh, draw in female boxing right now. I mean, it was that important, wasn't it? Tactically, and Peter said this actually before the fight. He said tactically, if we get this wrong. Savannah will get beaten. That's exactly how it proved because everyone, most people thought, well, Savannah's got to use her height, her reach, her boxing skills and keep it long. Had she have done that and tried to box like that, Franchon Cruz Dizern would have got that momentum. And as you know, Mick, she would have got the momentum. She would have steamrolled forward and she would have made things uncomfortable for Savannah and it would have been difficult then to turn it around. I think that was why Peter... Savannah, the whole team got the tactics spot on there, and that's that was the difference between winning and losing in that contest. Definitely, definitely, and it and it showed for me one of the reasons that I believe that Savannah is the star she is. Um, she's so unassuming, she's so humble, she's so softly spoken and, and and lovely, yet she can sort of like she can she can get down and sort of be rugged and and let the shots go and take people out. And it's just a very, very powerful combination in sport for me. And she, she's she's someone who I can genuinely say deserves what came came her way on Saturday night more than anyone I've ever come across. She's she's really, really a, a lovely, lovely person. I'm so I'm still I'm still elated now. Mick, Mick, obviously, um, I need to point this out. You obviously discovered and promoted Carl Froch, Darren Barker, Tyson Fury. We're going to come to Huey Fury in a minute, who you still promote. What what next now for Savannah? Obviously, Clarissa Shields um, came in and did a thing at the post-fight press conference in Manchester and tried to steal the show, and she was up and down during the uh, the fight itself into H8, the HH Divas corner, bellowing advice. She's a great character. Is that the fight next for Savannah? Is there anyone else out there? Is it a rematch? What, where, where do you see that going? And <clears throat> excuse me, Clarissa has talked about having that fight in Detroit, but surely they're all coming to the UK for the big fights at the moment. Yeah, definitely, Gareth. It's 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 just that's crazy talk. The the fe- female boxing is is so big here. It's it's brilliant. I mean, Savannah herself has headlined four four big shows. Her last four big shows, so um, that sort of talk, you, you know, is, is ridiculous. And Clarissa knows that. Clarissa knows that, it's, that the action is here, and this is where it needs to be. I mean, inc- incidentally, we actually agreed um, to fight Clarissa on May twentieth. Um, you know, I agreed terms with 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 Ben Shalom, and that fight, as far as we was concerned, should have happened at middleweight. So, yeah, the rematch at middleweight. Yeah. 
the rematch, yeah, um, mm, in a way. Mm, mm. So, um, so Savannah was very, very let down that that never happened. Um, so, this is this is where we we had to take the opportunity, and, um, and and I'm glad we did. So, yeah, can I see the rematch happening? Yes, I can, um, but it's it's a matter of when, really, because. If Clarissa still keeps talking about the states, that's that's just not going to happen. But at twelve stone, though. But at twelve stone, though, yeah. At twelve stone, yeah. Mm. I mean, don't mm. look. We wouldn't rule out middleweight. Mm. We would not uh, rule out that. Um, but I think it's going to be a different fight all round. I mean, I, I felt like the fight was was a lot tighter than everyone let on the first fight. Mm. It was a much closer fight than than the scores. And uh, don't get me wrong, Clarissa won the fight. Um, but I think the second fight, now Savannah knows uh, exactly what to expect over 10 rounds. I, I feel like the second fight will will definitely w- come our way. Well, let's talk about heavyweights for a minute. I'll come to Tyson Fury in a minute, but let me talk Huey Fury. Obviously, you, you've got a very close relationship with Peter Fury, his, his father and his trainer. Um, Huey Fury, after that defeat to Alexander Povetkin in 2019, he's been out for a couple of years. October, he'll been out for two years, but three victories, Pavel Sauer, Marius Watt and Christian Hammer. He's still only 28. He feels like he's been around forever. He's, he's fought for world titles already. What are you doing with Huey at the moment? He was there in Manchester, and I couldn't really get a word out of him. He's a very quiet young man. Um, what, what are you planning to do with him next? Yeah, Huey's, Huey's had a, a tough time, a real, real tough time. I mean, let's not forget the week of the, um, the Parker fight when he fought for the world title fight. He was 22 years of age, mm. which is incredible. So um, Huey... As as fought, like you said, he's fought most of the world's best, um, and he's had a tough time physically over the last couple of years. Well, it's it, it's actually pans back more than that, really. He actually, um, we we found out recently that one of the things that's affected him for quite a few ne- years now was that he he had a hiatus hernia, and and mm. um, that's that's been affecting him. How how on earth he's operated the way he has. Um, you know, being being that way and having that to deal with is is testament to how tough he is. Um, so he's 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 got rid of he's got rid of all that now. He's training really hard. He's looking very very good in the gym. Um, as you say, we, he's had close to two years out. So um, we'd be crazy not to sort of like bring him back with caution. He just needs he just needs a couple of fights to sort of you know uh, shake off the cobwebs, and then he'll be looking for a, for a big a big fight, uh, de- definitely looking for a world title fight. So we've we got to get the two fights right to get him in, in the frame, basically. What do you make of Tyson Fury fighting Francis Ngannou? Obviously, you, you took Tyson all the way to um, fight Klitschko all those years ago. What do you what do you think um, about if he is going to end up facing Francis Ngannou right now and what the, what the heavyweight division looks like at the moment? Look, for me, um, I love anything that brings attention to the sport of boxing, but um, if, if, if I look at it, I, I think it's very, very unfair and sort of like it's always it's always in, in the boxer's favour. I think if, if you're going to do things like that fairly, they should do one apiece, have a contract, <laughs> you know, to, to, to fight in the ring and to fight in the cage. Otherwise, how can it be fair? Because how can you expect cage fighters to compete with with elite 
you know, top fighters. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Mm. So you think they should go back and forth and have one in the ring and one in the that cage? That makes sense, to be fair. Well, that I mean, does I think make sense. Mick's making a point there. Scott Coker, the pr promoter of Bellator, has always made that point that mm. if a boxer and an MMA fight across over, they should do both, really. Mm. Yeah, otherwise, how can it be fair? I mean, it's just like, you know, they got they got no chance of beating elite fighters, but they they definitely you know it's a different ball game in the cage for them. So yeah, but um, MMA guys would say they've got no chance of beating an MMA fighter, haven't they? So <laughs> how would that pan out, right? So Tyson Fury in wins MMA, in the boxing. I mean. No, Tyson Fury wins in the boxing ring. Francis Ngannou Ngannou wins in the cage. Yeah, but he can kick no, him and no, but then, brawl him and so you've got to have the decider, in you? How do you have the decider? What you know? What rules is no, that? I think Mick's right. I think you do both, don't you? Yeah, no, I totally. But agree. the problem is, and what we're trying to get to is. Would we? We'd all rather see Tyson Fury fighting Alexander Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight title, but it's not happening at the moment. They're, 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 you, you've been around in boxing a very long time, Mick. I think over thirty years. I mean, what? Why? Why is there all this politics? Why does all this stuff happen at these stages with, with particularly heavyweight boxing? Well, I think I think you know at a certain point, sort of obviously, greed comes into it egos come into it and um you know things like that can stop the best fighting the best and you know it's 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 something i believe that at the end of the day uh fighters legacies you know wh when they've earned so much from the sport and they're 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 super comfortable then it should be all about legacy for me so um you know it, it, it is it is hard to watch at the moment the heavyweight division the Needs to, needs to shake itself up in a big way. We stayed on the heavyweights with the Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Delicious Ori, who's just won a European gold medal as well. He's looking forward to the Paris 2024 Olympics, for which he has now qualified by dint of reaching the final at those European championships. Here's what Delicious, what a name, here's what Delicious had to tell me and Spencer. A fantastic experience. Uh, last week couldn't have gone any better, to be honest, for me. Mm. You're only 26. You're already the Commonwealth Games um, um, gold medalist. Um, you produced a clinical display to beat Azerbaijan's Mohamed Abdullayev in the men's super heavyweight boxing final. When, my brother, are you turning pro? Well, after the Olympics, got to get that gold medal at the Olympics first, and then uh, mm. we we can focus on the professional. I like it. I was. I knew you were going to Paris anyway, because the key is for you in the position you're in to have European gold, to have Commonwealth gold, yeah. and if you can get Olympic gold, there is no greater launching pad than that, is there? Mm. That's it for me. It's all about I've, since I started boxing. It's all about gaining experience and doing it the right way, not rushing it. Can't rush boxing. It's very important. I I get all the experience, you know, the foundation laid out nice. If I want to turn professional, then it's no stones unturned. It's going out there and, and going all the way to the top. Delicious, I want to touch a little bit on your story, mate. You've got an incredible story. You was brought up in Russia. You were, you was born in Russia until you were seven years of age. Um, Nigerian father, Russian mother. Um, you come over here, you found boxing, and you've never looked back. I mean, it really is a sensational story how you sort of ended up here. Give us a little bit of background on, you know, back then and how you ended up here because I've, it really mm. is fascinating. I'd love the listeners to hear it. Yeah, yeah. So I started boxing quite late, actually. I started boxing at 18 years old and growing up, it was uh, very much basketball 
that was that was my sport. You know, I was always slightly taller than other kids as a as a teenager and a young kid. So I, you know, naturally gravitate to basketball. But I found boxing at 18 years old. Uh, it was uh, just a, a spark of inspiration hit me, and it was like, all right, this is the path I'm going to take, and I want to see how far I can take this. And uh, we're still on that road now, you know, um, eight, seven, eight years later, um, you know, pushing, pushing hard. And um, yeah, Olympic Games next year. I mean, I first come across you down at the Finchley ABC. You come down there. You were sparking. Yeah, I do remember. You, yeah, it was many years ago now, wasn't it? And I saw yeah, you. It was, mm, yeah. Seven, eight years ago, so, probably. Well, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if it was that long ago. It was probably maybe five, five or six years ago, maybe. But yeah, you was down there. Was Sparring Anthony wasn't you, and um, straight away caught my eye, and I thought, yeah, a lot of people were talking about you, saying that you was going to be the next big thing in boxing, and wow, how you proved them right. I mean, winning a European for people that don't understand how difficult that is. I went through that, you know, I went through that system. I know how hard that is to win a European Games gold medal is difficult. They've yeah. got some of the best boxers in the world. You know, the European Europeans have mastered the art of amateur boxing, and for you to do that, mate, really like puts you in a strong position and makes you one of the favourites for the Paris Olympics next year. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. You know, looking looking back last week and um, analysing my fights, I just think to myself, wow, I really I really actually went and did that, you know. Um, it was always a dream and I've, I've worked so hard. So um, yeah, I've just put myself in the right position now, given myself a year now just to focus on the Olympic Games and um, to really, you know, give my all. Mm. Yeah, the, 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 I thought you were about to say something to, no. about that, but the, what I was going to add was what people may not realise is just by getting to the final against Abdullayev, that the Delicious booked his place for Paris. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was the qualifying tournament, mm. and that is so much pressure off, isn't it? To to have that whole oh, year, yeah. like you say, to prepare for Paris. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I get going to that tournament with the mindset of I needed to qualify. Um, that gold medal was like a cherry on the cake, you know. It was the icing. It was just, it was just perfect. Uh, but you know, the ultimate goal was to qualify, uh, and to be able to do it nice and early, like you said, so much pressure off my chest. But do you and know what? It just allows me to really focus. But what that does, deliciously, by you winning that gold medal, medal gives you that added confidence. You know, going into those games, you know, picking up the gold really does mean anything, something because you think to yourself, you win gold at the Europeans, you go. Listen, I've got a shot at the Olympics here. You know what I mean? I'm not like I haven't won a silver, I haven't won a bronze. Where you go, I've got to come up against these guys. You're the the man to beat. Yeah, you know, I've come across some tough guys uh, at the games, uh, at the European Games. Like you were saying, you know, these guys, you know, they're top of their game, top level. So for me, knowing that you know I've I've, I've gone out there and I've beat them and I've got stood on top of that podium, it's given me confidence and uh, it's just cemented my um, my belief in myself belief in my team um, to get me to where I'm going to be next year. Obviously, you're there with Rob McCracken, who we know very well, um, you know, in the British team and based up in Sheffield. But if you could use the next year to go around and train with the likes of all these guys, David Adelaide, Daniel Dubois, Fabio Wardley, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, would you like to be sparring with all of these guys out there as well? Yeah, of course. I'm on that level now where um, I should be looking for them opportunities to go out there and, and to spar these guys, you know, the top class. Because, you know, in order for me to get to that level and be that top and, and operate amongst them top class guys, I have to I have to spar them, you know. I've got to exchange room in the ring. So this is this is what my, uh, my aim will be in the next year. You know, not just the professionals, but look, at the end of the day, I want to get an Olympic gold medal. In order for me to do that, I need to spar 
the best amateurs in the world. And that's exactly what Team GB have getting me on. You know, I've got a lot of training camps in the horizon coming up, uh, tough training camps. I've got a lot of competitions as well, keeping it sharp. Yeah, and um, yeah, it would be a perfect timing for the um, for the Olympics. Well, the setup in Sheffield is the envy of the world anyway. It used to be the Cubans <laughs> and the Russians, but it is the envy of the world, isn't it? Mm. With with hyperbaric chambers and um, oh, yeah, the, with, with, with high-altitude gyms, uh, uh, rings. Oh, all It's got it's, everything. The sports science there is extraordinary, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's absolutely perfect. It's, 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 look, I'm looking back at my, my, uh, my career so far, and the amount I've been able to improve is honestly absolutely phenomenal. Uh, not just the equipment that we've got, but it's the it's the support staff. You know, we've got the physios, we've got the psychologists, we've got the best um, uh, coaches in England. All of these guys put in the work and allowing me to um, achieve the things that I want to achieve. So I honestly couldn't be in a better place. Really couldn't. And I'm really going to take advantage of it all and um, you know stand on top of that podium. You've been listening to the Fight Night podcast with me, Gareth Davis. Thank you so much to all our guests this week on a packed show and to Spencer, my wingman, in the studio. Subscribe, listen to our podcast, go to the YouTube channel and join us every Saturday night and every Wednesday afternoon for Fight Night and Fight Night Extra. feels broken but how do we fix it westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers but we have found some people who do join me journalist becca hudson and me the former mp ed vasey for how i'd fix from the price of a pint to the housing crisis this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation and hear practical solutions from those in the know catch new episodes of how i'd fix wherever you get your podcasts rebuilding britain starts here